Hello, happy campers. Hi. I'm Spike. I'm Chris. And we're geeking out. And Doc, don't be bashful. All this dopey Disney stuff is leaving me sleepy. So, oh, it's been a weird week. Just from that setup. That little line is courtesy of No White and the Seven Dorks. Disney's new live action version of Snow White without the snow and without well without the white but i'm sure there was plenty of snow involved so <laughs> yeah. seven dirty hippies because there's apparently a maximum of one peter peter dinklage is not sharing his dwarf cred on this project apparently yeah <clears throat> yeah and that's all you got to say about it huh well let's see you have a diversity of the seven dwarves, one being an actual dwarf, being all different race and genders, and Snow White herself is Latina. So more Oxidol than Snow White. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, okay, you know, Disney, you know, Disney did it again. <laughs> I have got to wonder just how many, how many times. Can Disney lose $300 million on a frickin' project until they run out of cash? you you got to wonder, what is Disney actually making their money off of? They're not making any money in the theaters. They're not making money in the parks anymore. Apparently the, the, uh, apparently the gates are down by about 50-60% at, at Disneyland and Disney World right now. They're not mm -hmm. selling the merchandise. It's not moving. They've got a 100th anniversary cereal out that's just sitting there rotting in the stores. I don't get it. I, they are just, they will keep doing this until they just completely run out of money. People stop buying the Disney Plus stuff, walk away from them just like they walked away from their customer base. So, yeah. yeah, Bob Iger himself has actually. Just renewed his CEO contract for another two years. Why? I don't know. But uh, I have an idea, but you go ahead. He has already made uh, cutbacks on Star Wars franchise and Marvel franchise to save money because he says for some reason we're not making any more money off of these projects. So he has cut down, uh, cut down a bunch of ideas of shows and movies for the future of these two properties uh which leaves a lot of fans kind of also being like you do realize it's not the reason why you're losing money is because you're not telling good stories and when you decide to make decisions of doing nothing but live action remakes of great magical cartoons that we grew up with a kid as kids and then put all kind of woke stuff in there and i mean you had the idea to greenlit the snow white that is latino now i when you have ideas like that you need to stop and think hmm maybe i'm doing something wrong just say <coughs> Okay, you want to know what the scuttlebutt says right now? The scuttlebutt. Here comes the scuttlebutt. Okay. Not, not that one. The only thing anybody will ever remember from the Little Mermaid remake the will be scuttlebutt. scuttlebutt. The scuttlebutt. 
says that the reason Iger renewed his contract, he extended his contract two more years. Disney will be reduced to the point they'll be forced to sell. They're just going to sell outright. Disney will not be an independent source anymore. Most likely buyer, can you guess who would, who would be most likely to buy Disney? Who do you think would have the pockets deep enough to buy Disney? Just outright. Well, the way they're going now on losing so much money, anybody will be able to, <laughs> to well, that's buy just, Disney. Well, that's the point. Uh, you know? I would say Fox should take over Disney. <laughs> Turn no, and Fox, Fox is not going to buy Disney. Universal. No. Warner Brothers. No, 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 no. The, F, the FTC will never allow that. The SEC will never allow that, I mm. should say. The Securities Exchange Commission will not allow that. The uh, Your most likely buyer is going to be Apple. Because Apple Apple has tried to to force its way into providing content, nobody really pays attention to it. The, let's see, what was the last? I think the last time Apple did anything I paid attention to was an animated movie they did, Luck, Luck. from John Lasseter at, at Skydance. <clears throat> that was the last time I paid attention to anything Apple. If Apple buys Disney, they instantly have cred. And guess what? Pixar... Apple's been coveting Pixar for years, especially since Steve Jobs was involved in its founding. So to get that back into the fold, they would do it just for that. At the very least, they would buy Pixar, and Disney would sell it to them in a heartbeat because they've driven that into the ground. Kathleen Kennedy is apparently in severe trouble because they've got not Hollywood accountants, but actual accountants looking over the books. And she has been apparently proved. We had this conversation last week. Kathleen Kennedy is a producer, not a creative type, not a director where she leads creative types. She's a producer. She signs the checks. She balances the books. She's apparently so bad at her job that even with Hollywood accounting, which no person who can do third level math would be, do it that bad because they hide every skeleton they got. She did it so bad that even the forensic accountants could were, were able to pierce all the gar- all the Hollywood garbage and find apparently people paying for parties on movie budgets. People are paying for their homes on movie budgets. <clears throat> people are paying credit card bills with the movie budget. This is why all their movies are ballooning to three hundred million dollars. All of all of Kathy's friends are piling in and paying off their student loans with <laughs> with Disney money, allegedly. So, but odds are, and the uh, the other still but is that Kathleen Kennedy is going to keep her job in charge of Lucasfilm because nobody else wants it. And quite frankly, can you blame them? There's not much left. It's a big smoldering crater. But supposedly the Acolyte, which is the next one that's supposed to be coming out, that one ran somewhere north of $300 million. So you'll notice Kathleen does this. Everything, $300 million. It's just like Mount Frosty back in Rocco's Modern Life. Everything is $5. So not everything is $5. Everything is $300 million. So there you go on that. So... 
Any thoughts on those, those ideas, Chris? No, yeah. not really. What we got cut happening in the news that I need to know about, because you were talking about doing a review of Mission Impossible, God, seven, seven and a half, I should say. Well, actually, I guess the next movie will be seven and a half, because this is just the first half of a five-hour movie. Two hours and 40 True. minutes. Guys, two hours should be your your goal, okay? No, listen, seriously, none of you, none of you, not one of you is good enough to really carry a movie to two and a half hours. You're not creative enough. You're not talented enough storytellers, okay? Sound of Freedom, go two hours and 15 minutes. Okay, I can dig it because they have a lot of story to tell. Mission Impossible 7 is an extended car chase. It's an extended car crash. It's an action movie. It's a it's a stunt production. This is what you go to Universal to, to see on the tour, is, is to see people slugging each other and everything and jumping on trains and jumping out of planes and doing the big kabooms and all the other stuff. I've, I actually watched the first Mission Impossible movie. Watched it on Pluto. Finished watching it on Pluto TV last night. It took me four months to get through that movie. It is. It's. I'm not saying it's boring. It's by no means boring. It's just not my cup of tea. I'm not as big in action as I used to be because you you see one explosion, you've seen all the explosions. Okay. You can only see so many big explosions before it's like, yeah, it's another big explosion. Move on. It's just like with all the, the message movies and stuff. Okay, it's going to be one of those greeny-weeny message movies. Okay, move on. I don't need to waste my time or my money or my effort on it. I know all the spiel you're going to do. Action movies is the exact same thing. Fast and the Furious is up to, what, 12, 13 movies? And it's a freaking car chase. It's not even Hal Needham good. It is, yeah, I worked in a Hal Needham reference like that. It's not even that good. It's people picking up cars now and beating each other with them like the Rock'em Sock'em Robots or something. If I wanted that, I'd go watch BattleBots on Discovery, which I did, and it was good. You know, you should have saved all that for the review. Ah. <laughs> nah, I've never been on time. <laughs> usually I'm a procrastinator. Usually I'd wait until the week after you do your review before I do mine. No, not this time. Just premature criticism all over everything. Okay. There you go. Just, oh. just all over. All over. All over. But if we're gonna if you're gonna make the if I really don't want you to spend a half hour on this film, so we'll just put it into the geeking out episode. I can't take thirty minutes of listening to listening to a movie about well, I actually talked 30 minutes about a review. Have I ever done that? You have. No, that's something you would do. I don't want. I don't need to spend a half hour hearing about a movie where Tom Cruise is trying to reach potato chips on the top shelf. Okay, that is not. Thank you, Babylon B. That was the funniest, funniest movie edit. Funniest movie summary I've ever heard is that uh, was from the Babylon B about MI7. So. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, he is five nothing. Let's be honest. But, 
a good guy, yeah. Top Gun Maverick loved it, but mm, he still had needed a couple of books in the in the jet seat in order to be able to see over the canopy. So, oh my goodness! Wow! And Jim Caviezel's talking smack to everybody. Have you heard Jim Caviezel? It, it sound of sound of freedom. He is taking this to heart, and I mean he. The man actually sat down with an interviewer and and dropped the McAfee. You know what the McAfee is? No, it, yeah, the McAfee. McAfee was the guy who actually started the McAfee antivirus thing. Came a came a multimillionaire off of antivirus and security software and stuff. One day he said, "If I ever commit suicide, I didn't commit suicide. It was murder." And then they found him hanging in his auto, I believe it was autoerotic asphyxia. So, yeah. So he said he wasn't murdered. Jim Caviezel has said, if you ever hear I've committed suicide, I was murdered. Mm-hmm. Who is he ticked off in Hollywood? I know Hollywood hates this film. I know the media hates this film. I know the government hates this film because they all make cash. This will get us thrown off YouTube. They all make bank off of child pimping. So I've been kitty pimping. So I've been. uh, Hey, there's a title for this episode. Kitty pimping. No. (laughs) No. No. That's that's more an episode of the chore duty. (laughs) Which we need to talk about a little bit later. We'll talk about the chore duty. We'll not title no, 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 Every time I have to edit something for YouTube, I'll play that in the background with the one. No, no, no. No, no, no. So what, you, so what do you got, Chris? Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, it's no idea. Okay. He's lost. So, um, as you all know, Hollywood is currently shut down because of the strike and everything. Hollywood. Actors are now involved and all yeah. this. So, let's talk about how deep this actually goes. Okay? First of all, they had the big premiere of the Haunted Mansion movie, which apparently... <laughs> None of the cast members showed up because they were out protesting. Yeah, they're all out on they're out on strike. Because SAG AFTRA is now supporting the the Writers Guild, and so they're they cannot participate in any studio yes. function. And speaking of, like you said, Jim Caviezel dropping mm-hmm. the whole thing. Well, guess who else dropped something? Ron Perlman, the actor who played Hellboy and all these other stuff. He did a uh, he dropped a video where he says we know the person that said this. Now, in case you don't know, the CEO over uh, I don't know these. I don't know if it was not SAG, but one of, whatever it is. But yeah. anyway, they literally said they said that this will not last because these people have to pay rent. So they'll come crawling back. That's Bob Iger, I think, said that. I, I, he said it wouldn't be. last long because everybody... 
one of the big fights over this is that the screen actors are wanting more residuals off of streaming because they took less for streaming because it was more of a niche thing the last yeah. time they negotiated 10 years ago. Well, now it's the main thing, and so they want more of that pie, and the, and the studios are telling them to go pound sand. And they're using this strike as an excuse, saying they've broken contract on all the, these developmental deals, so they're dropping them all so they can save money, which is probably about the only thing that would save Disney if they can. Yeah. So, so Bob Iger, yes, and... So what did Ron Perlman have to say so about that? So Ron Perlman uh, did a video where he said that uh, we are disgusted by your comments. And I'm not going to mention the name, but we all know who it is, and we also know where you live. Bob Iger. And so he's threatening on the... He is... Him and half of Hollywood has threatened to literally show up at his doorstep. Zeus. <laughs> Apollo. <laughs> Kill. <laughs> and uh, you are. Ron Perlman is not going to show up at Bob Iger's door. Now, I'm just saying it's Bob Iger because it sounds like a Bob Iger thing to say. I have no proof <laughs> Bob Iger said it. Some movie studio CEO, there's only five or six left. So, but uh, I'll be, if it wouldn't be Bob Iger, it'd be Reed Hastings over at Netflix. He well, would say something stupid. Well, right here's now. something else, though. Hollywood also knows Hollywood secrets. And, for instance, Tom Holland has already came out and said a couple of things as yes. well. So, the big wigs in Hollywood is kind of like scratching like, um... This isn't going so maybe. well. <laughs> you know. That's, that's going to get the settlements right there is to, is to get everybody set up. Because right now, the, the audience for all this stuff, for all these movies and TV shows... They're now of heightened awareness. We've we've talked about this on this show, on the other shows. There gets a point where the the horror, the filth, the evil is just so blatant and obvious that you can't ignore it anymore. We finally reached that point because it's not the movie sound of freedom that's raising awareness of like the big thing I heard. On Sound of Freedom are people in the audiences elbowing each other and pointing and saying, Epstein's Island. These these are what they call normies. These are people who don't pay attention or are not politically active. They now know what this what is going on here. They have a suspicion that there's an undercurrent here. They ordinary people are looking at what's happening with Sound of Freedom and with uh, like you said, Tom Holland's talking and all these other people are starting to speak out finally. And they're like, okay, they're hearing all the negative comments coming out of the media and they're wondering, who are you covering for? Are you covering for yourself or are you covering for somebody else? Once that's done, the media, okay, mainstream media, we're talking about the news organizations, we're talking about the studio organizations, we're talking about the unions, okay, we are talking about everybody short of the poor jerk who has to pop the corn. Hi, Steve. <laughs> We're talking about everybody in the industry is now under suspicion. They've all been painted, painted with this broad brush because if there is anything Americans are really good at, it's lumping everybody together. The question is, how many innocent people have gotten involved in this? Is it more than we think? 
or worse, is it less than we think? Are, are there truly any innocent people left in Hollywood? Because Tom Holland won't even go to Hollywood. Jim Caviezel won't go to Hollywood. There's a bunch of people who I mean, have walked away from Hollywood. They won't even go to the town. They literally won't go to California. They will not enter the state. They want nothing to do with any of it. Tom Holland said that explicitly. Those people out there are sick. I want nothing to do with it. And and the thing is, is like, it's this strike shouldn't last too much longer because where the secrets and stuff. I mean, writers, producers, actors who all been there, they know because they've seen it, or has been around it to where they're like, yeah. I mean, this goes. I mean, Hollywood has this dark side that has, it goes way back. I mean, if you look at like the early '90s with like child stars coming out of nightclubs that they weren't old enough to go into. Think of, one, it got the nightclub famous. The, the photographers outside the, the door, they knew. They knew this because it was all a setup. But nobody cared because, oh, it's a child actor, nobody cares. It's just somebody famous to them. Money, 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 all across the bank. There was like, uh, a whole line of uh, crotch shots from Britney Spears, Lindsay, a bunch of them. It was all a setup. Yeah, it was. You actually think somebody was like, there literally was somebody to sit there with a camera as they opened the door and they go, yeah. did a basic instinct moment. It was like, it was a setup. There's, there's this dark side to Hollywood. Always has been. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking back to the 1800s. Oh, yeah, one of the, the, what's the Jewish the, blacklisting? Was it the... Oh, it goes beyond that. Well, yeah. We're going... You can go all the way back to the 1800s. One of the very first kinescopes they ever made was a, was a porn. Not even a joke. Fatty Arbuckle, back in the 1920s, was raping women with Coke bottles. It, 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 it eventually it it wasn't the fact that he was doing it that ended his career it was the fact that it it was one of those things that actually led to the development of the tabloid industry in this country it was fatty arbuckle and one of the actresses he raped actually died from internal injuries because he was so vicious with it and this 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 really dark stuff has been going on for over a century in that town almost a century and a half it, it goes all the way back to edison and his so-called patents on motion picture camera but it forced everybody to leave new york because it used to be the the center of the film industry was new york but edison had some friendly judges there on the east coast so they all went to the west coast as far as they could get away and there was Hollywood, this little podunk development in the middle of nowhere. They all buy large lots, and you get Hollywood. But it's all, that dark side has always been there, and it will continue even with exposure. Yeah, It's going to take a lot of people, a lot of effort to, to tear all this down, and even then, it'll just be rebuilt in a generation. Yeah, no offense to any viewers or which... I'm not saying you guys specifically, but the world who 
never pays attention to any of this stuff, but yet, as soon as Quentin Tarantino has a foot fetish, everybody's like, ooh, creep. It's like, really? That bothers you, but this doesn't? Like, you know, mm -hmm. saying. Yeah. 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 It's, it's always the, it's the old lunchroom cool kid thing. It always comes back to the cool kid's lunch table. Mm -hmm. It, back in sixth grade is what it always comes down to. Everybody wants to be at the cool kids table, but boy, we just wandered, wandered way we the did. hell away from there. We we started with Tom Holland. We ended at the sixth grade lunchroom cool kids table, and then surprisingly, ever since we started this video, we have covered like three news items that I can't even. That, didn't even look at the cards. It was like, well, I already had that yeah. written down. Might as well talk about it. We've already so. done a lot of this. A lot of the stuff he prepped. This, this is stuff we need to talk about. Okay? And unfortunately, right now, people don't talk to each other face-to-face -face as much. Everybody goes on social media and they tweet or <laughs> not threads. But everybody tweets and they're on Facebook for now. And they're on all these social media things. But we really need to stop, sit down, and talk face-to-face -face about a lot of these things. We really, really do. Because it's not just a matter of us geeks, us geeks, y'all geeks, and anybody else who might watch this video. We got to start getting people who aren't paying attention and say, look at what in the world these people have done. Because it was those people, the ones who don't pay attention, who just followed along like sheep and let everything happen. Okay, we've been doing this show for over five years now. We've been saying all we've been saying all along without coming out and saying it, there's a lot of stuff going wrong with this industry right now. The movie industry, the comic book industry, the entertainment industry, period. All of it. But we've been dancing around the edge because we've been limited in what we can say on these platforms. And we're finally starting to see the ice break. So maybe we can actually start affecting some change, but we got to talk to each other first. So, Which brings us up to a programming note, if you don't mind. Okay. Speaking of communication. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I've actually got our new episode of Backrack Video in production right now. Those always take longer because I put video clips and stuff in. So I'd have to do, it takes twice as long and three times the effort. But I think it's worth it. So that's why I do it. But I have to do it when I got the time. Yeah. Hmm. We have the new season of The Chore of Duty will be coming out this week. We're going to be Ooh. talking, we're going to be talking about, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what to call it, but I'm going to call it vocabulary kills as opposed to skills. See what I did there? Vocabulary kills the idea that words mean things and not necessarily what you think. Words change meaning for people deliberately change the meanings of words, phrases, so that you don't understand the original meaning anymore. And they do it deliberately. And we'll discuss that this week coming up on the chore of duty. Keep your eyes open for that because it'll be me and him. I'm going to be throwing words at him and see what he thinks. Oh, the first, th it'll just be the first thing out of your, out of, in your head when I say these phrases, and then you respond, and we'll see, we'll take it from there. Because I'm actually kind of curious to see what, what your, what you think about some of these things. Because, like I said, words mean things, 
And if we're going to be effective storytellers, which is what I really want you and all y'all to do, to be more effective storytellers, you need to understand how to communicate and also how to reclaim meanings of things. So, as long as we're not talking about words that they use nowadays that young people just make up out of the whim and no, you're supposed to go no, with them. No, no. We are talking about words and phrases that are at least a couple of centuries, if not a couple of millennia old. Oh. So <laughs> that's coming up on maturity. Chris. Yes. Back to it. Have you got anything else on your yes, little green cards that we haven't talked I about I yet? still got some stuff. Yes. Let's, let's just run through them because we're already... I'm trying to get this done in a half hour because I've got a lot of st stuff on my plate today. Um, so Mr. James Cameron, uh, first of all, has said that he is working on the sequel script for A Little Battle Angel. Um, in case you do not know what A Little Battle Angel is, it is based off of a, a, a manga from Japan about a futuristic world and this guy takes... Basically makes Pinocchio, but he takes robot parts, made this girl who is now uh, trying to learn to be alive. And it's it's a whole big deal, but it's really, really, really good. And the movie that came out uh, not that long ago, maybe like seven, eight years That's ago. That's what I was going to say. Didn't they just do a live action remake of yeah, one of the, the sequel? Of James Cameron did the first one. I swear, I know James Cameron's attached. I, I didn't know how well the movie did. I don't know how good the movie turned out, but it's it's a live-action remake. If I want to see Elite Battle Angel, I'll go watch the, the manga. I'll go watch the anime that was based on the manga, or better yet, I'll go read the manga and get as close to the artist's original vision as I can. But James Cameron's going to make a sequel to this. Is he going anywhere near the original creator of the, the property? Well, the first one did really, really well. And yes, a lot of the original property was in this one. And there was a lot of people involved. Uh, one of the biggest fans of the property was also Robert Rodriguez, who, of course, you know, best known for the Spy Kids movies and the Mexican and all that mm -hmm. uh, who directed the first one. Uh, James Cameron just wrote and produced stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he's doing this one as well. And as for someone who is familiar with the source material, I really enjoyed it. And it was really cool to see. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was James Cameron. Okay. We're going to get off topic here for a minute. James Cameron always struck me as the anti Spielberg. And that, I'm, I'm not even the anti-Spielberg, the un-Spielberg is what I mean. Because again, words mean things. Because anti means the exact opposite. Un means, I don't know what it means. <laughs> Spielberg can take a novel concept and make it fascinating and just change the whole world to reflect. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Jaws. You have Shark Week, Shark Week without Jaws, Duel, which pretty much changed the TV movie forever, on top of car chases, um, Indiana Jones, and no, Raiders of the Lost Ark. All of these things that he's done, that he's he's had his fingers in Schindler's List, redefined the way that everybody looked at World War II, 
uh, Saving Private Ryan, all these other things. He takes these novel concepts, these really large concepts, and he's able to make them fascinating so that you you can't wait to see what how he's going to work his magic on it. James Cameron can take these unique concepts, these interesting ideas, and render them completely sterile. I get... It, it's just me. I know it's just me. I know James Cameron has his fans just from all the blue kitty cats and the, the Avatar <laughs> films. <sighs> Avatar is furry softcore porn, okay? Just said it. Just admit it. But James Cameron can take an interesting concept like Avatar and he just beats the heck out of it. I mean, it's it's not anything in particular he does. I'm sure it looks spectacular. I'm, I'm sure all those blue hues look great. I'm sure the Titanic was a fantastic movie. I, the first Terminator was good. The second Terminator was better. All the others sucked. Somewhere between Terminator 2 and, and Titanic, James Cameron got so full of himself that he no longer has that spark or that magic, at least in my opinion. If... I so don't care about an Alita Battle Angel sequel that I'm actually going way back to our original punchline going in. I'm getting sleepy about it. It's just... But again, it's not my cup of tea. There are some people geek about it, some people don't. And in related news, Star, War, Star Trek is still dead. So, And Star Wars is dying. <laughs> um... Okay, so follow that up. So, okay, I, I will. You will. Um, have you seen the new Wonka trailer? No, have you? Yes, have you? Yes, yes, I have. I yes, just, I, I had to mention this because it was funny to me, but we have Hugh Grant playing Oompa Loompa. You got to admit, that was pretty hilarious. Just to see Hugh Grant... As a small, this movie is going to have to work triple time <laughs> to get me interested in seeing it because Star Wars has so ruined the concept of the prequel. George Lucas destroyed the prequel. Did you know that? The prequel movies to Star Wars, the real Star Wars, yes, had it. Attack of the, the Clones, The Last Clone, whatever the clones. Send in the clones, whatever the first three were called. Those three prequels just destroyed the concept of the prequel in Hollywood. And they're just now getting to the point where they're going to try it again, and they're going to do it with, of all the most idiotic things they can do, Wonka. Because you would think, hey, it's an interesting story. When Gene Wilder talks about it on screen, wouldn't it be awesome to watch somebody do it on screen? No! No, no, honey, no. There's a time for showing, not telling. And then there's a time for telling and not showing. Because if, if your whole purpose of a movie is for Tom Cruise to get the potato chip bag off the top shelf, okay, show, don't tell. If the purpose is for Gene Wilder to say he picked up the Oompa Loompas from being just the general snack food of the continent of Africa, tell, don't show. 
because if you tell, now you got people's minds thinking, what would these Oompa Loompas look like out in the wilds of wherever they came from, having to fend off all these things? Wouldn't it be ridiculous to have somebody about so, so short they don't even show up on our video shot and they're trying to fend off this lion or something or fend off an entire lion, pride of lions? Wouldn't that be hilarious? You'll never, ever be able to put on the screen what people pictured in their heads. Okay. Now, not saying that you cannot adapt books into movies because that's along the same lines. If you read a book, it all happens in your head. But you'll, again, even if you do that, even if you do a good job adapting a book into a movie, you'll never match what the reader had in his head, ever. It's why, it's why Calvin and Hobbes never did an animated special. Not even a single 30-second cartoon because Bill Watterson didn't want to ruin what people had running in their heads. If you, get a, if you give Hobbes a voice, everybody's going to be locked into thinking of Hobbes as that voice. Even if it's, the best, even if it's Patrick Warburton doing Hobbes, which would be hilarious. But everybody's going to think Patrick Warburton is Hobbes, and then the voice they had for all these decades for Hobbes, the little fuzzy stuffed tiger, that goes away. And you just kill all that creative effort. So, I don't care. You actually went way deeper on this whole thing. How many, than I was how, many, how, many other, how many other topics did I just walk all over? None, actually. I got one more. Yay. Uh, this one I'm actually kind of, I mean, it, I'm kind of excited about, but we'll see. Um, so a new cast of, for the Superman Legacy, the new James Gunn Superman version. Has Superman been, versus the authority, in other words. Yeah, so yeah, Basically, yeah. We have actor Nathan Fillion will be playing Guy Gardner, Green Lantern. What? 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 Go ahead. Finish your... I like Nathan Fillion. I like Nathan Fillion, too, but he's not... For... Nathan Fillion is... Was he the warthog or the meerkat in Lion King? He's one the other. Well, then who? Firefly. Uh, he was. He he's on my new show, uh, uh, The Rookie. Uh, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy three as the, you know, the one of the soldiers in the thing that, you know, shot Drax in the back. Nathan Lane is who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Wrong. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Nathan Lane as Guy Gardner would have been idiotic, but <laughs> never mind me. I'm... Actually, he's turning what forty-one this week. Yeah, forty-one. He's old. Not as old as me, though. I'm I'm old as dirt. He's just old as dust. <laughs> um, who else? Isabella Marcide, who is, listen, she has. She is very talented, but she gets overlooked. I watched this one movie with her that I cannot remember what it was called. And I was like, man, she can really act. But most people will probably know her as the voice and also starred in the live action Door the Explorer as Door. Uh, anyway, she will be playing Hawk Girl. No. 
I don't see anything inspiring about this so far. Uh, I do like the concept, but we'll talk about that in a second. Rizdi Gathing. These people really need to. Diversity hires suck. I remember when people used to change their name in Hollywood. They would change their name from this <laughs> to something pronounceable so they could be marketable. Now, like, now they're changing their names from marketable things. So guaranteed her name is like Lois Jones or something. Now, this is a guy. Doesn't matter in Hollywood anymore. Uh, he will be playing Mr. Terrific. <clears throat> I'm actually kind of intrigued to see Mr. Terrific, but it depends. Do we actually get the real Mr. Terrific? Scratch that. Are we going to get the real second Mr. Terrific, or are we going to get the pimp player that, that we got in, after DC Rebirth imploded? I do not know. Mr. Terrific, and this is a Superman film. Mr. Terrific. Mr. Terrific is an example of how to do, how to reinvent a legacy character with diversity principles and do it right. Okay? The original Mr. Terrific was from the 1940s. He was white. He was a super genius. Everything he touched, he just learned just like that. Mr. Terrific 2 came about in the 1990s, part of the Justice Society comic book. And he was a he was like a high-level athlete. He was he's kind of like Batman without the broodiness. Okay. He could brood, but he just chose not to do it because when he was about to commit suicide, he found out about the original Mr. Terrific and realized that if he devotes himself to other people instead of just focusing upon his own tragedy, then life will be worth living again. And he does that, and he becomes the new Mr. Terrific, and he starts using his, he has this incredible ability to learn any skill quickly. He's, he's the excellent, he's a, the master student. He knows technology inside and out, and he's actually invisible to technology. Cameras cannot see him. Okay? Motion detectors don't see him. Technology cannot see him, which makes him the perfect fit for the 21st century. He's got all this stuff, and his wife, who he found out was pregnant, died walking to church by herself because he wouldn't go, and she was killed by a drunk driver on a Sunday morning on her way to church. And because she didn't drive and he wouldn't drive her, she, she was killed by a drunk driver on a Sunday morning, and that was why he's ready to commit suicide. And so he's the undercurrent to Mr. Terrific is that He's struggling because his wife was a devout Christian. He's struggling with this idea that of some world beyond what he can see, scientific principles, the 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 physical meet the physical uh, existence around him, all the evidence and stuff. And yet his wife believed and he adored his wife. So maybe what she was onto something, but he can't bring himself to accept that there are otherworldly things, even though he routinely works with a character named the Spectre, who is literally God's instrument of vengeance on Earth. Isn't that an awesome idea for a movie, a TV series, anything? Question. So is the second one, is he black or white? Black. The guy who's playing him is black. Exactly. Okay, what's his other qualifications? Uh, they, I don't care about the skin got, color. Can he 
how are you going to present the character and how not just how is the writer going to present it, how is the director going to present it, how is the well, producer going to present it, and how is the actor well, going to present it. Well, one is James Gunn. So I'm, I'm believing you. I've watched Guardians of the Galaxy James 3 Gunn again. James Gunn can make people care. Okay. James Gunn can make people care about offbeat characters. I, so I will that. say, this actor, I don't know all the stuff he's been in except for one movie. And from what I was told, because I don't know much about the character he played, but you remember X-Men First Class? All right, he was the black guy that got killed by Kevin Bacon's character. And everybody says that shouldn't have happened because he was actually more tougher. His character was actually more powerful. Mm-hmm. And and uh, he turned into like uh, rock or something or metal mm-hmm. or something like that. And then like Kevin Bacon took this atom light and shoved it down his throat and he exploded. A lot of fans said that that was wrong because that's not that the character is way powerful than that, and they just killed him off like he was nothing. Also, made jokes that they killed off the only black character. <laughs> so <laughs> this is how you can tell. But it was that guy. <laughs> it's either a horror movie, or it's a superhero movie needing a moment of pathos. Which is unusual they kill the black guy in the superhero movie because they usually kill the white chick, the girlfriend of the superhero. Women in refrigerators. So, I I actually, okay, Superman Legacy. It's got, the, the story has it that this is going to be an adaptation of Superman versus the Authority, which is a good thing. This can, re, this can be the reset of the DCU we've been hoping for, okay? Superman versus the Authority, the way the story was originally presented in the comic books, okay? The Authority is a bunch of fascist superheroes. Think the boys and all the other ones just think Invincible. Think all of these other, the Watchmen. This was a, this Superman versus the Authority was a direct answer to Alan Moore's Watchmen, okay? This is Superman does the Watchmen, all right? And you see, you see, you see parallels between the Authority and the Watchmen, the Authority and the X-Men, the Authority and the Avengers. You see all this, okay? The idea is the original story title of this was What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way? This was the response that Superman fills a vital role not just in his world, not just in Metropolis, not just in the DC Universe, but in pop culture. He is the paragon. He is the paragon of virtue, the paragon of truth, justice. The American way, which is like uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, in case you ever wondered. All that stuff Superman represents, and then you've got all these kill. You see that... You audio guys can see the air quotes I'm doing here. The cool characters in the authority who just go in and they kick butt and they take na- they don't even take names. They just rip people's heads off and they just justice, justice, dark, brooding, murder. Bunch of Batman, bunch of Dark Knight ripoffs, I should say, basically. This is a chance for Superman to show Superman's actual importance. And will Hollywood actually present that can't even James Gunn does he have the stroke to not just figure this out 
but to actually present it. This is why when you told me Mr. Terrific 2 is going to be in this, Mr. Terrific, I actually changed my mind a little bit because I do, Mr. Terrific is my favorite of the new generation of characters, okay? My favorite character of the last 30 years is Mr. Terrific. Now, the reason why is because, again, I told you Mr. Terrific's backstory. I told you he's got all this stuff. He's basically Batman without the broodiness, but he's he's got the pathos in his background. And it allows you to explore the same topic that Superman presents from a different angle because he's got, he's a dark black man. Okay. So if Mr. Terrific is succeeding with all this stuff because of his skill and his ability, what does that say about people who say people cannot succeed because of the color of their skin? How can, He's creating all this fantastic technology by himself. Well, what do you, what do you say to people who, who think that black people have to have uh, like some kind of support system before they can even do rudimentary basic things? <laughs> Mr. Terrific was the original anti-racist superhero. And nobody knows it. Okay, everybody thought Black Adam was going to be the next big black superhero because the word black was in his type name. Duh. And I actually like the I actually like Black Adam, but Superman Legacy has a chance to be the film that defines Superman for this generation, just like Superman did in 1978, just like. Michael Keaton and Tim Burton did 1989 with Batman, the way that, uh, oh my God, I can't even think of names now, the way the Spider-Man movie did in the 90s, the way that Marvel redefined heroes in the 2000s. It's this chance to, to just change the game and actually just make all the money because there's this huge pent-up demand as... Top Gun Maverick and Mission Impossible 7 proved. So, we already get to your Mission Impossible 7 review. Yeah, uh, well, I'll do it real quick, quickly, because we're already 50 minutes into this. All right. First of all, I believe James Gunn will do a great job. He, oh. he believes in the source. He, he's I a big hope. geek fan of it, so. I hope. Ladies and gentlemen, hello. Um... I went and saw Mission Impossible, uh, and here are my thoughts, okay? First of all, I did not want to go watch this movie. I was just bored, and I just wanted to get out of the house, so I was just like, I'll go and watch it. You know, why not? I've seen all the others, and I got to this point where it's like, if I've seen them all, I might as well finish on how they end, right? Um, so... I went not expecting, are you ready for this? I love this movie. This movie was so awesome. No, no joke. I had so much fun with this movie. This is like the best one, best spy movie, period. Best Mission Impossible movie, period. Best Tom Cruise movie I think I've ever seen. I still haven't seen Top Gun 2, though. But probably the best Tom Cruise movie I've ever seen. This movie had it all. It had a, re a really good spy story. 
it treated itself like it was a spy story. And it actually had humor in there so you don't get bored. And the action sequences actually worked. There is a an amazing car chase sequence through Rome, Paris, Venice. I don't know. One of those places. And they did it with not just style, but with also humor. And it worked. It really worked. Like, it was honestly probably the best car chase in a movie I have ever seen. Because it was not just so cool, but it was also funny on certain, like, on things that just, like, I can't believe they did this and it works. So, here's the story. You got Tom Cruise's character who, you know, is out recruiting new people for, I don't know what the, the, the people are called, the, you know, the ones that... Are the ghosts. DMIT. Oh, you're talking about the spooks? Yeah. So he's out recruiting, and he gets word that a friend of his has a key. And this key opens up something very important, but he finds out that this key is way more important because it can save millions of lives from basically being uh, terminated by AI. <laughs> um there is a computer program that is created that can literally took a mind of its own and can make anybody disappear, can make anybody uh, destroy your bank records, can just do everything. And there are countries that know about this, but they're keeping it secret because they want it because they think if they get it, they'll have power. And then you got a lot of uh, people who want it, but they also want to destroy it because they believe, you know, nobody should have that type of power. And so Tom Cruise goes on this big mission with his gang, Big Rains and uh, Simon Pegg. Uh, also, Rebecca Ferguson is in this, who is also a brilliant. Uh, and... I will say this, the actors in this movie, mwah, I've, Tom Cruise has never made me feel this way. I actually loved him in this movie. You need a moment. <laughs> Simon Pegg, brilliant. Don't Big Rains. Usually you need a cigarette if you're going that much. Big Rains, brilliant. And they added Haley Atwell. Uh, Miss Captain America herself. Captain Carter. Yeah, yeah Captain Carter. Peggy Carter. That was her name. She was so awesome in this movie. She played a pickpocket. She pickpockets. Usually you would get like some teenager that would do that. No, this is a grown-ass woman who did this. And she was amazing. And then you have Palm Plenty, of, who I know I butchered her name, best known for her role as Mantis in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, she plays a villain in this movie, and she was awesome. And and the best part is that you can tell when an actor is enjoying what they're doing because you saw it on her face. Every time she was doing a fight scene or a chase scene, she actually smiled so much. She was enjoying doing this, and she was so awesome at it. 
This movie was so fun. Just so fun. It's, listen, I've seen all the Mission Impossible movies, but it wasn't like I'm going to rush to the theater to watch these movies because I, when it comes to spy movies, I'm going to be honest. Some spy movies, like James Bond. James Bond, there's a certain period to where I can watch them because it had humor. And then there's ones like Casino Royale and the new Casino Royale that were just so boring to me because I don't want to watch grown people play, uh, you know, card games. I don't care. The world series of poker. Right? Like, like, I, word with you. Yeah, like, I don't care. Like, this stuff is boring. Talking politics in, in, like, oh, this country has a nuke. They're going to bomb everybody. It's like, yeah, 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 we've done this a thousand times before in every other spy movie and non-spy movie. It's like, I, I'm bored of it. Give me something new, something fresh. And even though the plot line of an AI that can get into anybody's security and do this and do that, yeah, that's been done before, but they didn't concentrate on that. It was just about the key that they had to get. That was it. And it was so fun. It was a fun ride. It was a cat and mouse true spy movie that really like just kept me going the only downfall on this movie is like in all of the mission impossible movies tom cruise always does this big elaborate stunt well in this one it shows him riding the motorcycle off a cliff that's the big stunt about, yeah but here's the problem when i saw it in the trailer pretty much what you see is in the trailer like, that's what you see. There's nothing, like, he just drives off. That's it. Here's the thing. I have seen YouTube videos of people doing this a million times. Red Bull does it a bunch of times. Have you ever seen the Red Bull things that they do? No. Oh, yeah, there's a tons of them <laughs> jumping out of airplanes and riding bikes off of mountains and stuff. Like, it's, it's something I've seen a dozen times before, so this doesn't do anything for me. The only stunt that I've ever seen him do that was actually impressive was hanging on the side of an airplane when it was in air. Stupid. But, you know, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Stupid, <laughs> but cool. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, but I had so much fun. The action, the spy, the, the, the suspense, with mixed with the comedy, it works. I really enjoyed. I, I had fun. So rule of five here. Break it down for us. Five being Saturday night with a date. Four being an afternoon matinee. Three on Blu-ray. Two on Netflix. One on Pluto TV. And zero. Not even drunk. Coming off our last, your last review where we got a negative one and we actually went off the chart. Where do you put Mission Impossible 7? Again, I cannot believe I'm saying this because all the other Mission Impossible movies were eh to me. This one was the best one I've ever seen. I actually give this a five. I really enjoyed it. It's like it's like having a dessert that you've never had before. I was like, mm, wow, this is amazing. Mr. Five O'Clock strikes again. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, come on. All right, two things you were talking about. Now, the AI is super villain. 
Yeah, somebody but they don't focus on that. No, they don't focus on it. But somebody brought up that idea, and I warned you it was coming. But anyway, I thought it was like right on the nose when I first sat there and watched it. I was like, oh, it's the AI thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's the AI thing. Uh, second, actors enjoying their roles. Yes, you can tell oh, yeah. very easily on this on the, especially in the movie theater where there's nowhere to hide the details. You can tell when they're enjoying themselves because oh, yeah. you, you can tell. <laughs> was having so much fun. There are there are some movies where it's like uh, people are kind of drag. Some of the people are dragging themselves through it. Others where people are just having a ball and cutting cutting loose. We talked about the actress who played Mantis. She's been in front of a green screen for so long, interacting with nobody, that now she's in the middle of an actual fight scene. There's no green screens anywhere because no makeup. It's to, her. give Tom Cruise credit. We give him crap about the, the chips on the top shelf, but he does things legit. He does things real world. He'll resort to green screen as a last resort. That's the very last resort if he has to do something. Other than that, it's all practical effects is what they call it. So if he rides a motorcycle off of a cliff, he has a real cliff, a real motorcycle, and he's really parked his five foot nothing but on it. And he's driven off of it. Hopefully, the cameras had film, although I believe he did six or seven takes on that one, just just so, so he could say he kept riding it off the, <laughs> the cliff over and over. And so you can tell when people enjoy themselves. I think back the one that I could always tell people really enjoyed themselves was Blazing Saddles, <laughs> because you you could tell everybody involved with that film was just having a blast because it's nobody's taking it seriously everybody's having fun harvey corman's just chewing up the scenery gene wilder is just sitting there goofing around you got all this all these people doing all this fun and that's what happens when you have a good condition on a movie set a tv set a play when on a play stage, wherever you are, if people are getting along and they're into it and they're working together to tell that story, again, storytelling skills, that good relationship between the actor and the role and the actor and the other actors, it goes a long way towards helping with uh, the, the telling of the story. So so five out of five, you get it, right? Yes. Give, yeah. give Palm and uh, Haley Atwell both more acting roles because... They, Tom, Tom Cruise has gotten to the point he can do anything he wants. He is in that most rarefied of air. Believe me, Top Gun Maverick happened because Tom Cruise wanted it to happen. Mission Impossible 7 happened because Tom Cruise wanted it to happen. Also, and as a result, we got two pretty decent movies out of it. Apparently. Also, remember, this is just part one, which means that there will be a part two. There will be a Mission Impossible 7 and a half. And I'm not trying to like give anything away, but there is... Palm does get stabbed and she's like left for dead. And I was like, no, no, she was awesome. But then at the very end of the movie, they're like, I have a pulse. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, I was like, thank you. Okay. So any final thoughts before we wrap this rest? No, no. None for yourself. Till next time, we're an hour and three minutes into our recording session. And I still got to record chore duty because I big, fat, stupid mouth. Yeah, but... <laughs> Well, you awful eager to say that. So until next time, <laughs> I'm Spike. And it's five o'clock over I'm here. Chris. It's Chris. And y'all keep I'm on geeking out. Bye. Bye.